Thank you guys so much yeah. for having me and for diving into a conversation that starts with white people are exhausting. That's yeah. amazing. Man, speaking of that, can I, can no, I ask stop. you one more question? <laughs> um, nope. Well, if you were going to rename Google to something that's, you know, <laughs> what would you name it? <clears throat> like a black name. <laughs> Give us black Google. <laughs> Great. How are you? Yeah. Oh, nice. We Can't got video. Nice. Hello. I'm Hi. here. Hey. How you doing? I am Zach. Jeff. Zach. Scott. Jeff. Scott. Yeah. Got it. Austin. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> Good. You look comfortable. I kind of am. We, the husband has both the baby and the puppy, so I'm alone in my room, and yeah. I think happy is exactly how I would describe myself right now. <laughs> how old's the baby? He's good. He's how old? so good. He's eight months. Nice. Congrats. Thanks. You, eight months and you're still alive? He just Your became fun. So I'm really excited about it. <laughs> the, the personality is starting to show. It is. Yeah. Oh, he's so darling. Yeah, the first few weeks. Not so much, but now, yeah, he is such a delight. Yeah, is this the this is the son that you wrote the letter to in one of the interludes in the book? Yep, I was pregnant when yeah. I was writing. That's beautiful. By the way, we're we just are going from the top, so I don't I don't want to catch you off guard. We're we're going now, so as long as that's okay with you. I swear I won't say anything that. <laughs> <laughs> no, please do. Inappropriate. We've gotten in trouble for our casual starts in the past. Uh, because people just start talking and, oh, you were recording that. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. So can we talk about your white male name? I think we should. I think we should totally talk about that. That your, your mom, it was your mom's doing or both your parents or how did that go? Yeah, mm-hmm. there's some wisdom. But the name comes from my mom's side of the family, so I suspect she was the first one to offer it. Okay, there's some a lot of wisdom behind that decision. Do you can you uh, give us something along those lines? What yeah. was going on yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so as a kid, I definitely knew that my name was a boy's name. Um, because in those days you still sit on opposite sides of the room, right? There's the girl side and the boy side. Right. And I used to have to do jumping jacks to get a hold of my teacher's attention. <laughs> like, yeah. Austin's over here. <laughs> <laughs> so I was very used to people like thinking that I would be a boy. Um, but usually what happens is they go, Oh, pause. That's a really interesting name, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> like, right. There's a pause where like the, the wheels are spinning and then the conversation moves on. What was strange 
was that um, there was this day that I was at the library and the conversation didn't move on. So I'm talking to the librarian, trying to get my little books checked out. And she says, are you, is this your card? And I'm like, yeah, I think. And she's like, it says Austin. I'm like, oh yeah, that's me. And she's like, are you sure? And I thought, am I sure my name is Austin? Like, I don't even understand the question. Like, what, what are you asking? What am I sure of? Um, and it was her, like her inability to like get over it. That made me think, what is happening here? But my only thought was parents, why did you give me this name? Like, What were you thinking? And how old were you then? I don't, maybe like seven, eight ish. Um, so yeah, so I marched over to my mother and was like, why, why did you choose this name? Um, and she was like, you know, Austin, one day you're going to have to apply for jobs and you're going to have to apply for like college. And we just wanted to make sure you could get to the interview. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. And my brain started scrolling through like every other Austin I had ever met. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, they yeah. are all white. <laughs> like, I had never put that together before. Yeah, it was a real aha moment. Is there a background that you learned from your parents that were there specific instances? Like how did, how did they come to that realization? Besides, I'm sure some obvious things, but were there personal things that happened with them? There wasn't. I think that um, most black parents um, feel like they should go one of two directions. And one is to give a super quote unquote American name, i.e. white, (laughs) that won't Mm -hmm. raise any eyebrows. Um, or the other is to give them like a super duper black name that they could be really proud of who they are (laughs) and where they come from. Um, and so, yes, I feel like parents are black parents are constantly having this conversation with each other as their child is like about to come into the world with what direction do we go? And my Mm -hmm. parents, because of their inability to, to enjoy any other name, thought, Ooh, well, we're going to, we're going to go way far this direction. (laughs) Can, um, can you give me a rating on a scale of white to super duper black? Mm. Um, Equanimius Tristan Emotep J. St. Brown. Wow. That's real. That's real. Get another category. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So this, this, uh, this guy just got drafted, uh, in the NFL draft and that's his name. Let's see. That's like blackity, black, black. But he had but a, a, hey, there's a J in there. He had a, a, he had a saint, he had a saint in it. And coincidentally, he went to Notre Dame. So I'd not see, I would be interested to know what his experience was like at Notre Dame. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I bet it was fascinating. So I actually have a follow up with the, with, so in school, were you Austin Channing or Austin so Brown? Channing, this confuses a lot of people. My middle name is actually Channing. So okay. Channing isn't um, uh, my maiden name. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so my name in school was um, Austin Price, which gave no clues right. as to gender or race. So yeah. when did you when did you come to realize or have some frustration over 
your name and adults questioning your name and is that your name and why why would you even ask that <laughs> so weird so i'll be perfectly honest as a kid i was much more concerned about the fact that all the things that had the label austin on them were blue for mm. boys i was mm. like clearly there was a girl in the world named austin so can i get a purple license plate <laughs> yeah or a- chain or right? like yeah. it was stupid silly stuff <laughs> that really bothered me about having a boy's name um quote unquote yeah. um and i will say i think one way in which my parents did sort of like save me from this being like a traumatic experience was that i attended the same school from preschool all the way through eighth grade and so mm-hmm. i had been at my school longer than most teachers had been at my school Um, I think there were maybe two teachers who outlasted me. (laughs) Um, Hmm. and so, um, I didn't have as much of like, everybody knew you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like this eye roll. So like half of my classmates would roll their eyes too, like Austin's over there. (laughs) So I tell you what, um, what did surprise me though, the first time it happened was exactly what my mom said. The first time I went on a job interview. And they expected a white guy. And to watch their faces, like, change, there's, like, like, there's the moment when they, like, escort me into the room, right? And they're, like, so, like, why are you here? Yeah. Like, they're, like, there's a double take. The candidate? <laughs> right? They're, like, they're not sure how to ask. Like, um, are you here to see someone else? Like, yeah. what? You got to get a hidden camera. <laughs> It's really, really fascinating to watch people like hesitate. Um, And then there's actually like walking into the room, especially if it's a group interview, people have a really difficult time recovering. And I think it's because both, because I am neither the gender or the race that they expected. And so their minds are like, wait, what? So much so that most people, most interviews I've been on, somebody comments on it at, at some point. Sure. Because it was so jarring that they're like, by the end of the interview, they're like, yeah, I really thought you were a white guy before you came in. They got to break yeah. the tension. Yeah, they got to say it. Yeah, it's yeah. the elephant in the room for, for everybody, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. That's, it's really fascinating to watch. I bet. <laughs> Do people realize it, too? You can see it on their – you see – the confusion and then do you see like the secondary oh i think my face is saying something i would rather (laughs) not say i think people have a tendency to look at each other in the group so they're like and that's usually what yeah betrays them so by the time they look back at me yeah they're all smiles shoot it was obvious like oh The only people who don't um, – now, folks are still surprised, but black women are so excited because mm. <laughs> they thought they were getting a white guy. And they're like, oh, you're a black woman. Yeah, they just see it. <laughs> so those, are, those are like the genuine smiles that I get, like an immediate like, oh, I didn't think you'd be teaching this class, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, so what do you do as a profession? Uh, right now, right and speak <laughs> have you um, did you do anything before yeah i've done a lot of different things okay so, um i was a resident director at uh, christian university where i was in charge of 240 18 and 19 year olds fun and, uh, mm-hmm, it was very interesting oh the stories i could tell <laughs> um i've also done fundraising um i worked for big brothers big sisters for a while um 
I've done obviously a lot of like multicultural diversity effort kind of things. Um, I worked at a homeless shelter once. So yeah, I'm, I've, my, <laughs> my history is all over the map. You did have, a, you had a couple examples and I don't know if it was something that was done periodically or as opportunities arose, or if it's something you did regularly where you would partner with a friend and there would be, it would be a racial, racial reconciliation event at a church or, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but this, this is okay. Um, just those, was that something that happened a lot or were there just a couple events that made it into the book and were, was the experience pretty uniform? I mean, there's some pretty interesting stories about people realizing their own biases and, and discriminations and, and just racism in general, like whether they knew it or not. And then their the confession process and you talk about, <laughs> I'll let you talk about it, but just, you, you're like, I'm not, it's like they're looking for absolution, but I'm not the person that's going to like declare absolution for you. I've got to like go home and change a diaper. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, no, you know what? It does actually happen pretty regularly because I speak on a fairly regular basis. So you're right. I did choose like just a couple stories to sort of drive it home. Um, but I know this happens to a lot of black women who talk about race, particularly when the audience is moved, which is the hard part. Right. You want the audience to be moved. Yeah. Right? You want yeah. people to start making the connections. Um, but yeah, what almost always happens is there's like five, there's like, there's like a 2% of the audience, right? Whatever the audience size is, like 2% of them are going to come up and give their confession of what they didn't do um, the last time something racist happened. So yeah. I get to hear about like the racist uncle and nobody said anything at the dinner table or, um, or that time. Or <laughs> I had one woman who walked up to me and told me that it had only just dawned on her that um, whenever her parents were asking about her dating life, what they were really asking was whether or not she's dating a black guy mm. because that's what they didn't want. <laughs> it was like, okay, hey. yeah. well, maybe you should go talk to them about that. Like, I don't know. Yeah, what do you want me to tell you? What do you want for me? <laughs> <laughs> it's super awkward. Yeah. It's awkward. I had a friend of mine um, who's a white woman who read a, like, really early copy of the books. Um as I was like still editing in the editing process mm -hmm. and she got to that section and, um, and she said to me, you know what, Austin, uh, it makes complete sense to me that that white people were only giving their confessions to you and other black women. And I was like, really? Cause I really thought my friend who did this with me right, <laughs> would also be receiving them. Mm. And she was like, no, she was like, the white folks who are confessing need absolution from someone who looks like you. Hmm. And I was like, well, damn it. <laughs> yeah. like, they can get it from me. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing. I can't. And I you, can't and you speak for all black people in that moment for them. So saying, and now, you know, because people have a tendency to be very specific when they're emotional, you know, like they're trying to, cause they're trying to make me understand. Mm -hmm. Right. And so now I know what's hanging on the walls in the room. I know like the feeling in the room, right? And yeah. I'm like, I was not at the dining room table. I don't need to know this. Yeah. I don't need to know about your racist uncle. Go fix it. Yeah. Go <laughs> 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 fix it. <laughs> I, I hear, I do hear a lot that, well, your first, oh, let's just say your first chapter, white people are exhausting. And... <laughs> <laughs> 
I love the book, the uh, chapter titles. I love them. They're great. I'm like, okay, what's behind this? Let's get to it. <laughs> Am I a nice white person? That's great. I can't believe this book got published. Are you guys surprised this book got published? No, not today. No. <laughs> Why? Not today. <laughs> I agree. I agree, actually. Only because of the political moment we're in. Yes, I'm sorry. There was a question in there. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> uh, just, uh, where was I? First chapter. Uh, the first chapter and white people being exhausting and just hearing from black people that I know th- that either whether it's them and or it's people they know. Sure. Just I don't I don't need or nor want I don't have the energy to to teach white people about my experience because I I've lived it from yep. day one and it's it's exhausting. So it re- is. yeah. It, realizing kind of the irony in my question I'm asking you to teach us right now like like what's behind that <laughs> no I think that's a great question can you take us through that a little um, bit so for the um so for that first sentence <laughs> you know what's really funny is that it makes white people laugh just as much as black folks and I think that's because if you've been a part of the racial justice conversation for more than about three seconds you've probably encountered some white folks who made you exhausted too mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah you don't have to be in this conversation for long before you're like, Oh God, yeah. <laughs> sir, please sit down. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Just listen. Um, right. And so, um, so I think the first thing is that I really did, um, write this book for not just for black folks, but for white folks who have already started doing this work, um, and who are ready to continue the conversation, right. Who are no longer at the sort of one-on-one, what is white supremacy or what is racism, right? Who have moved beyond that, um, but are still looking to ways to continue to grow um, Mm -hmm. and looking for ways to continue to identify racism, even in progressive spaces. So that was the purpose of the book. And then um, I feel like because of social media, we're in this era where um, white folks in particular have access to people of color who want to teach when they want to teach. Right. Right. So I wrote this book and I'm happy to talk about this book. Um, but I probably shouldn't be like the go-to person for any future questions. All of you have about race. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like like maybe there will be some things that come up in the future that I can speak to, but y'all should have a group of other people of color who specialize in the things that you're interested in. Right. Um, and, and I think social media is creating more and more spaces. Um, so I think of, um, there's, uh, um, an organization called be the bridge. I think it's called be the bridge. Yes. We know um, people. Yeah. And it's an opportunity for people of color who want to teach to be connected to white people who have questions. And I think hmm. that is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> like This is the way it should work. Um, so yeah, so that would be my answer to that. It's not that I mind teaching. It's just that I want to do it on my terms. So if I have a class, you should come to the class. Yeah. It's like a dating site, but like you cannot go out with someone of your own race. I mean, like the site, the app won't let you, right? It won't even show you people of your own race. (laughs) (laughs) It's part of the contract you sign when you join the group, I'm sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. we we're connected to some. There's a be the bridge uh, group that meets at the church. We're connected to, awesome. or uh, 
obviously it's not the same thing, but they, they meet at the church and, or wherever they can in the area. And I've just, I've already heard story. I haven't been able to go to a meeting yet, but I've heard stories of, it's like white people that are toddlers in realizing some of the things that they don't like in themselves and things they see in society. And then they feel the need to explain themselves and talk and, Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and share about their uncle and what's on their yeah, walls. Yeah, the look and, on your face says it all. And, Lord and have mercy. Mm-hmm. Our friends are like, no, just thinking, please just sit, stop, just sit down, just listen. I think See, they even have a rule. Those folks should read this book because they're thinking, why are white people so exhausting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that, well, they're planning on it. The book's not out yet, but it's, <laughs> it, it'll be out when you're listening to this. There you go. So buy it. I'm still here. Um, did you want to ask her about the cover? Uh, yeah. Yes. So the cover, mm-hmm. it it looks like there are redactions in there. Yeah. So are we? Is just, there something we, behind yeah, that? Are we supposed to guess? No. No. Okay. It really is just a really cool cover. Okay. <laughs> oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no. I think I. Um, man, I don't know. I feel like in. Well, first of all, no, that I had nothing to do with this cover other than the color. Really? Yeah. The color was like a really muted, um, like really muted browns and dark yellows. And I was like, it's going to be hard enough to get people to pick up a book on race without it looking like sad, you know? Yeah. So it was like, we need a bright color. Like we need like teal or something. It's almost Eastery. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, but I confess that I was drawn to the title because it looked like things were redacted. Mm. And, um, I don't know, part of me felt like I was like, he would open the book and you just get what you get. Like nothing is redacted inside. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like here, here's everything. Here's here's what I got. Um, but yeah, I had nothing to do with the artwork, just the color. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Going back a little bit to, uh, I think Let's see. High school, Mr. Slavinsky. That that was, yeah. I, your reaction right there is (laughs) it comes across in the book too. It's good. Yeah. That's actually a, um, a five foot two Asian woman, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Well, mission accomplished. I was thrown off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I envisioned a short bald man. (laughs) just how biased you are (laughs) you talked about not having a desire to be the black spokesperson for your class and he was i think he was exposing you guys and just you know most of the students were white but he and he was a white guy right yeah and and so he's he's exposing them to the curriculum then he goes outside of it to diversify it and just show the broader context of of the human experience Right. And and that was like a wasn't that one of the pivotal moments for you in your formation? And do you mind talking about that a little bit? It really was. Um, so I didn't I didn't have a black teacher who looked like me until I was in college. Um, until college, all the teachers that I had were white. Um, and um, and until Mr. Slavinsky, most of them seemed to be unaware of that fact. <laughs> they were yeah. white and maybe the curriculum was too. Um, and so it, it really fell upon those of us who were students of color that if we wanted to think about black history or, um, 
just anything out, uh, anything that pertained to like our own history, we had to do that work on our own. So if we had like a book report due, then we would choose to do it on a black author or if, you know, we had just yeah. had to like step out of the curriculum, you know, in order to learn things. And is Mr. What, Slovensky's class. Yeah, go ahead. Is that what you mean by black curriculum? Just yeah. having topics that are, that are coming from the black perspective or his, yeah, yeah, his, yeah. history of, you know, heroic black people. In right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, so I'm like, a, I'm I have a, had plenty. No, this is a good question. I'm a sixth grade yeah. teacher. So I'm, I'm, Oh, that's interesting. So that's why I'm asking, but continue. Yeah. Sorry. So for, um, no, this is great. So for Jeff's going to update his curriculum. English- <laughs> 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 doing it in real time right now. Yeah. Um, so I think about like a, a typical English curriculum would only ever be white authors, literature from Europe, um, Mark Twain, um, try like it would, but, but I would never read about, um, um, Langston Hughes or Maya Angelou or right. That, that black folks write in all kinds of genres that could be explored in an English class. Um, but that had just never happened. Or I Mm -hmm. think about, um, history courses, particularly American history courses Mm -hmm. and, Black folks were always limited to like this one paragraph on slavery and then like three paragraphs on the civil rights movement. And that's about it. But I'm like, didn't, did black folks do anything else in American history? Like, aren't there, yeah. there are more black folks we should know about? Um, and not just black folks, but you know, people of all different colors. Right. But it was just, you know, my experience had just been if I wanted to learn about anything that people of color had done, whether in history and science and literature, that I had to go outside my classroom for that. Or I had to I was responsible for bringing it into my classroom. And Mr. Mm -hmm. Slavinsky's class was the first time that I was learning something new about literature (laughs) from a black author, from a white person and not my parents or not my pastor or like a white person Mm -hmm. was teaching something new. And that had never happened before. And it threw me for a loop. <laughs> I was yeah. like, whoa, what do I do? I don't even know what to do. Um, and ultimately it was good, but I really was so surprised because it's just so rare. And things have flipped now because everything that I teach in sixth grade, a lot of our curriculum, a lot of our stories, a lot of our short stories, yeah. are they're really on what was marginalized for a really long, long time. And so cool. So That's so great. I mean, but you think about like um, the books that like we would have grown up reading. Like it was really hard for my mother to find children's books with little characters, with little black girls as characters of cover. You know, it was like Snowy Day and right. yeah. Corduroy. Right. <laughs> like those, yeah. were, those were the books. So I'm really I'm really grateful for the ways that we found to be much more inclusive in curriculum. Jeff. Do you uh, do you find yourself slipping in some some Mark Twain every once in a while? You know, outside the <laughs> curriculum. Do you do that search for him? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like was another one that was just like constant. Like there is like a very clear American obsession with Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, I think once you get into high school, there Edgar Allan Poe. And Didn't he kill himself? It, I don't know. Moving on. Anyway, there is <laughs> when you when you get into uh, when you get into high school, it seems like Edgar Allan Poe is uh, is at the top 
Well, probably top five. Yeah. yeah I don't remember that. But, yeah, every, uh, but everything, everything has, everything in curriculum has shifted. There was a huge shift over the last 10 or 15 years and it, it started slowly, but then there was a catalyst uh, um, over the last probably 10 years. And that, you know, has, has changed just how people um, see themselves and value themselves because they have, they have someone, they're reading about people that they identify with and they right. can, you know, have almost like mentors that they don't know, but they, they love to read about and, and hear about the challenges that were overcome or just right. things that they did or invented or whatever yep. it might be. Yep. Yep. It's so exciting. Um, like I said, I was, I was like 15 before I experienced that. Um, but I'll never forget it. That's why it's in the book. Yeah. I'm still here. I'm still here. Yeah. Another thing with the Slavinsky story, you mentioned you weren't sure about the kids or your classmates earning a right uh, to be given access to your experience or the the, um, kind of your, your history and what would it look like to, to earn the right for those students or students now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think if our entire curriculum had been more inclusive so that Mr. Slavinsky wasn't like the odd one out right? right? and there would have been more opportunities to build trust and to listen to my peers and how they process race and what they think about. Um, but to just sit in like one classroom and be like, okay, we're going to talk about race. (laughs) It was like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be doing that, particularly on a personal level, right? Like I could talk about history or I could have shared with them like, Oh, this author, I'm, I was aware of this author. Like, I'm pretty sure this author lives on my bookshelf at home. Like I could have done sort of a surface level communication with them, but the deeper, like, I think I might be wearing a mask like that. Right. <laughs> there was no way I could go there with them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the mask that makes, didn't you, you went from like Toledo, Cleveland, mm-hmm. yep. there was that yep, yep, yep. story. Yeah, my what? parents got divorced. Okay. And so. Um, so I would, so I lived in Toledo, but then every summer I would, um, go to Cleveland. So I would be moved from an almost all white space to an, an all black space. Um, and and, and you, <laughs> that word mask came up and I was reminding me of that. I mean, did you, you feel like you had to hide and. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The transition was so, so difficult. <laughs> and I wish that it wasn't, but it was, um, the first time I was around all black folks, I completely panicked. And it was because I realized, um, you know, around all white folks, I was pretty black, you know, like my music was black. My family was black. The food we ate was black. Mm -hmm. I would go over to my white friend's house and be like really confused because their lives, just their home lives looked so different from mine. And some things weren't actually about being white. I was just like assuming racial stuff because I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd be like, why do white people like cats so much? Because I went to one friend's house who had like 12 cats. Hey, we're not all alike, all right? Well, I didn't know. (laughs) Um, So I was like, man, white people really like their cats. So I forgot where I was going. It's probably true, though. (laughs) (laughs) On average, it's probably true, man. But going from your house to their to their house oh, yeah. and seeing Wait, the difference, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, so I always felt really black because I was surrounded by white people. But once I was in an all black space, I realized how little I knew. 
about contemporary black culture. Mm-hmm. So I knew like, um, about Luther Vandross and Stevie wonder and folks that my parents listened to, but I didn't know anything about, um, uh, like Bobby Brown. And I was like, <laughs> wait, who, who is Whitney Houston marrying? I don't understand. Why do we not want Whitney Houston to marry him? Like I was just so behind. Um, yeah. And so I was, I was super, 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 the way I talked was different. Um, because my parents didn't use contemporary slang. Like they just, hmm. they, and, they and um, what, uh, what era was this? And I mean, essentially, I'm asking how old you are. Yeah, I was born in 84, so okay. and my parents divorced when I was 10, so it would have been right around like 94, 95, 96. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. See, and that's, that's odd because I knew who Bobby Brown was uh, and, you know, uh, all, all of, the, all of uh, those uh, rappers and uh, hip-hop hopsters. That's what we call them in, in the, the white <laughs> part of town, the hip-hopsters. <laughs> yeah. Did you go to a white Christian school? No. See, I think well, I did, but eventually I, he did. I, eventually I did, but that's because I got yeah. kicked out of the public school. Oh, sad. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I think if I had gone to a public school that happened to be predominantly white, I don't think my experience would have been as far removed. Right. But I think because I was at a white Christian school yeah. where you were only supposed to know who DC Talk was and Michael W. Smith and... There were some names. I wasn't like completely clueless. Like there were some names that I would have known, like SWV, Whitney Houston was still really popular then. You know, like I knew some people, even if I could have pointed Bobby Brown out, I wouldn't have known like, like that he was someone Whitney shouldn't have married. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there were just some nuances that I was like, I got nothing. Mm. <laughs> like, I have no idea what's happening right now. <laughs> but not, but not knowing that culture really put you, you probably just kind of covered in some way and tried to assimilate as best you could while not it's being true. found out. It's true. And it didn't work to be perfectly honest. Mm. It didn't work. So I tried really hard to like lip sync songs and um, I would always stand like in the back of the room when there were like um, like the dance competitions would start kicking off and our day camp leaders would just shout out um, like a dance that we all had to do. So it'd be like cabbage patch and it'd be like butterfly. And I would be like, oh, good God. Mm. <laughs> now, once I saw them, I was like, oh, OK. But just linking the name in the dance, I was like, I don't I got nothing. Yeah, I still do that so, today learning really, really fast on my feet. And to be honest, um, I still stood out, you know, the way I talked was different. Um, the fact that there was so much, like I couldn't contribute to the conversation. Like I could listen, but the fact that I never had anything to say (laughs) was kind of obvious at some point. (laughs) Um, and so I used to like be physically sick, um, and just like refuse to go because it was so much work to try and catch up with everyone. Um, and I remember like a couple times being called an Oreo, um, which means that I'm black on the outside, but white on the inside oh, yeah. or asked why do I talk so white? Um, and I know that's like traumatic for some black people. It wasn't for me. I just felt like, damn, it's not working. Like that's how yeah. I felt like oh. this isn't working. <laughs> um, uh. yeah, I was just so unaware of how impacted I had been by white culture because I always felt so black around white people. It was a very interesting experience, but I figured it out. 
I'll pot up. Nice. <laughs> so what? So at what point? What was the motivation? What was the catalyst behind you writing? I'm still here. Uh, I um. So I'm really obsessed um with like Tanasi Coates and Roxane Gay and some other um really popular writers and um. I noticed that there's a, a tendency when we talk about blackness to talk about black folks from the hood. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's... And, and I appreciate that story. I, I didn't, obviously, you all know, I did not live that story. Um, and so I'm always really interested in it. But I felt like, but isn't there value in black folks who didn't grow up in the hood? Like, isn't there value in our stories? Um can we can we talk about the different kind of dangerousness of growing up around all white folks and not being represented in your school or in your curriculum? Um, isn't there value in talking about what it feels like to be the only one um, in your classroom or the only one at work or, you know, mm-hmm. so I just really wanted to tell a different side of blackness that a lot of people share, but it's hard to show that when you only work with two black people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like when your experience doesn't show that there's a lot of black people who live this experience. (laughs) And I just wanted, yeah, I just wanted to like bring that to light. Like there's so much value in growing up in the hood or the South or, you know, um, but there's, there's value in having been the only one in your white middle-class neighborhood too. Right. Do do you think as you were growing up, there was a, you built a, a wall up a little bit or had a, you know, maybe a, a, like not wanting to, but maybe a a chip on your shoulder. Like I am the only one in this neighborhood or community. Is that, did that happen? I feel like like this happens um, differently for different black folks. For me, it was that I felt like I had to excel all the time. Um, so I had to be, this is like a, a saying that black folks say all the time for, for your listeners. Um, but that black folks had to be twice as good, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and though I would never would have said that out loud, I think it really is how I felt inside. So I had to have the best grades. I had to, um, always be on my best behavior. Um, and I had to like, I had to be the embodiment of, um, that black people can succeed and that black people can do well and that I belong here. Yeah. And not just the best grades you, you mentioned in order to get the best grades, you, it was either that or your blackness. Like, and was that, is that just a constant struggle? It was once I started to become more aware of the difference between, um, like history that was being taught in my history books and history. Yeah parents were teaching it at home. Yeah. It's like in elementary school, not at all so much. But by the time I was getting into like high school and definitely by college, um, I was definitely making decisions about what grade I wanted based on how much of the truth I was willing to tell. Yeah. Every once in a while I tell my kids, I'm like, you know, Christopher Columbus, well, you should look him up a little more. He's not like <laughs> white, white. He's like he's a little brown, white. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like those explorers. Yes, they really explored, and then Explore. let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help myself. I was a so, I was a sociologist in, in well oh, in man. college, and uh, I'm just I mean I learned so much going through school, and yes. 
and um, and talk about a, 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 when I, I mentioned chip on the shoulder, but I had a, 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 a it was at um, it was a sociology class, and he came. He was teaching like ethnicities and and cultural diversity, and he was a Native American Harvard okay. gra- Harvard graduate. And man, he, he, he wore it proud. I mean, like saying, saying, I mean, he just said, you don't say this and you don't say that. And if you're going to say this, you better be ready to get in an argument with someone who may want to have that argument and, and be careful, you know, what you say. And I'm like, what do you mean what I say? It's like, just saying they is just. You, you, right. you're not thinking you're not thinking about the bigger picture of people in general in the United States yes because yes. everywhere else it's pretty homogeneous in the states right. it's right it's every it's the world thank so, God for teachers who are aware and willing to teach good yeah. God <laughs> changed my life absolutely yeah good teachers right they they make a huge impact someday you'll get there yeah, yeah. One, I, I actually be, i became a te- i became a teacher because of a u.s history teacher so that's cool i got my own story anyway <laughs> yeah you you were ready and to i'm still here so times. let's keep going <laughs> uh <laughs> nice jeff You're still here jeff black dignity you're really good at this you should think about having a podcast or something yeah, we were going to, but we realized there's a lot of podcasts with three white guys. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who wants to listen to that? An awful lot of you in the podcast world. I yeah. I'm sure you're on that circuit right now. I am. Are you on the white guy circuit? <laughs> What'd you say? Are you on the white guy circuit? Well, you know, white I mean, that's not what I call oh, it. Oh, white guy, white guy <laughs> podcast, podcast circuit. <laughs> the W G. <clears throat> All right, you were going to say P- something or ask something. C. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> this is digressing. Okay, so... Come on, Scott. So you were in the... You grew up around where you're mainly... All, all the people around you are mainly white, and you might be the only... only um, you're being exhausting right one now. One of a handful, yeah. Yeah. So I was probably like one of five for yeah. most of elementary school. Did, did you... Okay. So, and then and then going to... The, and then you mentioned going to the to a community that is, has more... Higherly black. Yeah. So okay. was there... Man. So I, I, have, I have a condition. Um mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a psychological condition, but I just I just wherever I go, I feel for some reason I don't belong. I whatever it is, no matter where I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, do you, did you feel like there was? Did you have that idea being around you know mainly, mainly white people and then right, right, going right, right. and being around mainly black people? So it's like, man. I didn't really feel like I felt you belong there. And then I go to some place right. where I, I still don't feel like I belong. So where Man. do I sit? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. So what, yeah. What do you, what were you thinking about? Like, do I need to find a place? Like, do I need to start a community where? That's a good <laughs> Where are others like me? Yeah. Um, that's a fantastic question. I was, yeah, I was completely thrown off by it. First of all, like my parents are divorced, right? So that's like. Like, mm-hmm. that's why I'm in Cleveland in the first place. Oh, yeah. So there's like this major life experience that has happened. And now I'm in a new city and not just a new city, 
but in this new cultural context that I have never experienced before. So there was a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. And as I mentioned, I've been at the same school from preschool all the way through whatever it is. So I've never switched schools. Mm-hmm. I've never been the new kid in the classroom, right? Like all of that is new for me. So you can talk about somebody with some high anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, it was really bad sometimes, some days. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that changed it all for me was actually, um, there was a girl who lived four down house, four houses down from my mom. And she ended up at the same summer day camp as me. And she became my friend. Hmm. And I don't know why she became my friend. (laughs) 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 I think, you know what I think it was? I think it was because she was a single child. She didn't have any siblings. Hmm. And so to have a girl in the neighborhood for her to hang out with, I think she was willing to overlook a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) And, and she did, she taught me how to dance. She taught me like all the popular radio stations. She, um, um, yeah. And we were, when we were at summer day camp, so we were not like in our neighborhood, but actually around other, um, other students, she would kind of vouch for me. Um, or she would like save me from the conversation or she would make like some inside joke that the shoot, the two of us had talked about the night before and make everybody else feel like the outsider to our like, little inside conversation. Like, and I don't know how much of that she did on purpose. I mean, she's like 11, 12. So, Jesus, so um, Jesus showed up as a female 11 year old, four houses down from you. God is a black woman. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Sweet. Wait, I thought really Morgan. Kid. Wait, never mind. Well, you know. <laughs> so, okay. Now this might be a personal question. Um, what is the most embarrassing thing you tried to do to try to fit in in either community man um so like for me i I grew up like mainly like hispanic area so i would wear like clothes that were you know like hispanic clothes (laughs) he's also half mexican i'm half mexican but i i look like my name sake yeah you're half mexican (laughs) <laughs> so yeah i try to fit in by dressing like you know yeah. i would have truthfully um we just didn't have enough money again divorced parents so all the money was spent in court oh, um yeah. um i did <laughs> i did have um cornrows before cornrows became popular again um and for and as a girl with not without extensions. So they were just cornrows on top of the boy's name was doing me no favors. Mm. Um, so I had, I had students my age on a regular basis would like hear me talk. Like they would see me far away. I would get closer and they would hear me talk and they would be like, Oh, you're, you're a girl. (laughs) And that was not fun. (laughs) It was one thing for like (laughs) teachers to mistake who I was and not be able to find me. But for boys, my age to be like, Oh, you're a girl. Not good. Not good. Oh, it was torture. All right. Well, I think we're running out of our allotted time, but do you have time for a couple, couple yeah. questions, a couple quick questions? And actually this, this is one that probably deserves more time, but it's up to you. Um, towards the end of the book, you mention like a lot of white people like to say, look at all the progress we've made. And, yeah. um, we've come so far there, there has been progress and 
I guess by that definition, there has been, but your point being, and you have a Chris Rock quote in there, like it should have already been like this. And it, yeah, it, it's really hard to think about. So in, in my head, I sometimes, not all the time, I don't like have a rule about this, right? but I right. do sometimes. You're like, human. Like, right. <laughs> I do sometimes when I'm, when I'm like trying to teach about race, try to distinguish between change and progress. Yeah. So when I think about progress, I think about iPhones and I think about how close we've come to being the Jetsons. And I think about, you know, like I think about things that make us go, what? Yeah. <laughs> we do that? Can you believe we did that? <laughs> and that's not how I feel about rape. Like we ended slavery. That does not like, whoa, go America. Yeah. Right? Like mm, pretty sure that's just the baseline for human de- decency. Yeah. I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we should have just ended that and not patted ourselves on the back. Right. <laughs> slavery. Yeah. So I do want to acknowledge change. I want to acknowledge what my ancestors went through. I want to acknowledge what they fought for. I want to acknowledge that we are on the podcast together talking about a book that I wrote that got published. You know what I mean? Right. These are things that for my, some of my ancestors could never have been. Um, And so I want to acknowledge change, right? I think that's good and that's healthy and hopeful that there's more change that we can create. Um, But I feel like I'm still... Like, I feel like Barack Obama becoming president, that might qualify as progress. Mm-hmm. Like, that that was so significant. Mm-hmm. I'm, I might. I and Hillary might would have been a step back, the, right? Into the right? progress on that one. Say it again. Nothing. Oh. Never mind. Yeah, his, oh, I didn't hear. It's all right. It was a joke that didn't quite land, and it should have. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's how I try to like distinguish the two and not because I'm trying to like be mean or be too harsh or anything. I just want I want us to think bigger than dismantling <laughs> things that should be dismantled, right? I want us yeah. to just think about how much more inclusive we could be and what our churches could look like and mm-hmm. um, how we could talk about the Bible and what we could do with curriculum. You know, like the possibilities that are still available to us. Yeah, that's really good. I have a couple of uh, silly questions. Uh, so these guys are probably sick of this one, but uh, we're in the New Jerusalem, and you're walking through the the open gates, the always open mm-hmm. gates. Sure. And you get to pick one person, living or dead, to announce your entrance, and you get to pick a song for your walk-in music. Whoa. Oh, man. Okay, I'm debating between two people. That's what's happening right now. Go for it. People to understand the silence that's happening. Um, I am, like, really, really convinced that Whitney Houston is my long-lost auntie. (laughs) Um, I'd be like, she just didn't know. I knew, but she didn't. Something happened. She'll know one day. (laughs) She'll know when I get there. This is what I'm driving at. Yes. Yes. She will be the one who um, sings the song as I enter. I could almost do any Whitney Houston song. This wouldn't really be my choice, but I want to dance with somebody is like the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. It would be an upbeat Whitney Houston song. It would okay. be like, let's dance. I'm every woman. Like some, it would be something quick. That's like, awesome. A very joyous, like I'm here. Yeah. Um, and I think, 
I think I would want it to be a family member who greeted me, maybe like my grandmother or, um, I talk in the book about my cousin who passed away. I would for him to be the first person I encounter. So yeah, I, that one's a little bit harder, but I think family for sure. That's amazing. What about all the people that, whose podcasts you've been on? Um, You I mean, know, I would we like could, we can expand it to three people, let's say. <laughs> like, like, like I, I envision being escorted to a party where multiple people are waiting, mm-hmm. and for sure there would be three white guys at the party. <laughs> I mean, you gotta have some inclusion, right? <clears throat> right on. Right. Well, yeah, that's yeah, right? definitely. It's, it is heaven after all. Yeah, yeah. And if yeah. it's us, we won't be disappointed. <laughs> Oh, all right, and then um, I'm so glad that's important to you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so at the end of the day, when you are you're just you're done with life, and you you want your brain to turn off, what what do you watch before you go to bed? Golden Girls. <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> I, oh I did not see that coming. Oh, I man. am so obsessed. <laughs> I am Dorothy for sure, but I love Sophia and I used to wish I was Blanche and poor Rose. Oh, good gracious. Rose. She just keeps I up, love it. She just keeps everyone honest and kind. <laughs> <laughs> Is that on Netflix? It's on Hulu. Okay. All right. That makes sense. And I know that because I watch it almost every night before I go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, awesome. wait, wait a second. You didn't watch that when you were a little girl, did you? I did not. Okay, because I was going to say, if you went to Just the black did. school, we're like, oh, did you guys catch did Golden Girls? Wouldn't that, right? <laughs> that be awful? Oh and then you go to Cleveland, they're like, uh, you would have been definitely what, found out. What are you out. talking about? <laughs> in the book. <laughs> like, that would have been my most embarrassing moment. It was this time I mentioned the Golden Girls. Blanche who? <laughs> <laughs> What's a Blanche? What? That's a new a dance. <laughs> Do the Blanche, Austin. <laughs> uh, all right. So tell people where they, they're going to find you and connect with you. Yeah. So um, I love the Twitters. The Twitters are my favorite at Austin Channing. Same thing with um, IG. And then Facebook is my entire name. So it's Austin Channing Brown. Oh, okay. Cool. Awesome. And the website is austinchanning.com. You got it. Yeah. Yep, that's it. Yeah, I started typing in Austin and I put CH and Austin Channing Brown came up. Did it? You know, yeah. I had always intended for it to be Austin Brown, but it was taken because of Michael Jackson's nephew. Did you guys know this? Michael <sighs> Jackson not. has a nephew named Austin Brown. Nope. So that's why I started using my middle name because I had to distinguish hmm. myself. Is that, from- is that from Tito or from Janet? I confess. Well, probably not Janet. Oh, she. Co- oh. Well, that's well, she a- has one child, but. Oh, I'm, I was like just. Yeah, I don't know. He's just naming names. I'm he just knows. naming. Those are the only two Listen, other Jackson siblings I have Finally, caught I up on black culture, so. <laughs> now I can that's what I was asking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're just beginning, so. <laughs> <laughs> I I really we really appreciate you and all that you're doing and. I love the book and we'll, we'll be putting it, all the information on the show notes and all that stuff. So awesome. It's thought provoking. Thank you so much yeah. for having me and for diving into a conversation that starts with white people are exhausting. That's yeah. amazing. Man, speaking of that, can I, can oh, I ask you stop. one more question? <laughs> um, nope. Well, if you were going to rename Google to something that's, you know, <laughs> what would you name it? <clears throat> like a black name. 
<laughs> Give us black Google. Black Google. Well, you know, black Twitter is a thing. So maybe we should just have black everything. Oh, really? Wait, you guys look surprised. Yeah. Are you guys unaware of black Twitter? They wouldn't let us <gasps> open an account. Never heard of it. You guys. I mean, we watching. know, but tell our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I found I find out about the world from sixth graders, eleven and twelve years old. <laughs> they probably did not be on Black Twitter yet. Black Twitter is a little uh, old for, wow. us, for sixth graders. That's true. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to explain Black Twitter. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, we can so Google it. Another, yes, go, oh, I wonder what would come up. Google Black Twitter. I will. <laughs> what does your shirt say? It's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, it says theology on the ground. Okay. Oh, okay. My conference. That's your conference. Ooh. Awesome. All right. Is there a website for that? Um, there is. It's a conference I just spoke at. Okay. Um, of course, all it is is initials at the bottom. ACS. I have no idea what that stands for. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, thank listeners you so much. can do their due diligence and figure yeah. that out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for hanging with us. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Take care. Bye bye. All right. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Austin Shouting Brown, hmm? live and well, not not in person, but I mean as close to in person as you can get, being thousands of miles away. This is what we, it just took place, Jeff. Be in the moment. That was great. Austin is casual and fun, and she, uh, her book's very thought provoking. And I only went through about three chapters and then skimmed the rest, and it's it's a fun book to read because it's eye opening for a white male. And she really didn't go through the black, black experience. And she kind of mentions that about she went through the growing, black growing up in the hood. I don't even think it's a half black experience. It's she grew up in a white neighborhood and she was a black girl back in the 80s in the Reagan Bush senior era. That's different. Nakada. Yeah, that's totally different. And. I love that she wrote a book that is easy to understand. Um, and you're right, though. Those those chapter titles, which we touched on, we didn't get to the one that's like uh, nice white people. Right. They're, uh, which I'm realizing, like, I've been a nice white person. Like, like, her examples are, among many, it's that white people assume that if they're just nice to everyone, uh, that everything's good. It's all good. We've, we've made the progress. If you're just nice to everyone. And then she details how nice white people unknowingly, probably mostly will do things or play a part in systems that, that are discriminatory or racist. And, and usually it's nice white people. It's not that they're being racist because they're assholes. It's just, well, I think there was something in, I think it was in her book about bringing, like, oh, we have some black people, or we need to bring some black people into our church. We need to diversify. Why? I think she had that question. She poses that question yeah. in there. Like, what's what's behind just having black people in your white church that's not doing anything except look at us? The seeing is has nothing and to do with You can put them on the, the front relationships. of your website. And people do. In fact, everything I pick up these days, um, pamphlets and and um, anything, 
that's public, a lot of it is women or black or actually it's women or or black people on the cover and especially Time Magazine and because I get it at my school every week and it, I'm like the white male is is like been pushed aside and everything that's presented it's all about presentation and and that's what she brings up in there it's like what, yeah, a what, lot of churches what's groups, the point they'll have racial reconciliation groups yeah where they touch on all the things or they'll have the appropriate amount of we're talking black about people, it we're having good conversations and that's the end of it they check the box right we're diverse and we're we're reconciling and and it, there's not like a more holistic boots on the ground approach so what is the in your white opinion what is the average white person to do? That would have been a great question to ask her. She's not white. She can't answer that. Well, from her perspective. Mm-hmm. She sees all the white people, the white the white guilt. I like how she follows white people that want to help and they get into white guilt mode and she has some thoughts on that and critiques and it's it's helpful. I don't I think the start is being aware. Like I, yeah. The, one of the examples that I wa- had in my notes that just didn't happen, uh, which is fine. It was, I that was a great con- that was a blast. It was a great conversation. Um, was they went to her her in college? She went with a white friend for for the purposes of a black and a white person pair up. They go on a bus tour to learn about racism and stuff, and. One of the they took him to a plantation where they learn about the history of racism, but it's like it sounds like remember the time intended. It's whitewashed. Like the plantation, the people that work there, it's like well, this, most of the slaves were super happy and they you know they enjoyed their you know they they put that spin on it. And it resulted in the end of it. Like now let's go pick some cotton so you could see what it's like. And so there's black. College kids, black, black cotton. picking <laughs> cotton in a field, and they're like, "Really? You're uh, they're learning about relive this?" Wait, she just Austin was just talking about how we don't learn about history, and I know. so they're learning about the history. You know, you're and I'm right. A version of it, yes. No, it's not a version. It is no, what I know, going but on. but. It's the tone deafness. Anyways, the tone deafness. No, I realize that, but I'm. But then they get on the bus and then they go to a museum where the the museum is basically uh, lynching displays, and which I think those museums museums that display that stuff probably should exist. But uh, the conversations that came out of that, where a lot of the white people were exposed to something, they had they're like, I don't even know this happened. And so the conversations on the bus escalated where they passed a microphone around and mm. talked about their thoughts. And the white people at first were, were just, they were horrified and they tried to separate themselves from that because obviously they didn't, they don't do that. Right. They didn't even know it existed. Um, it's not my fault. There's a lot of that talk. And then one of the black kids shared and said, you know, very calmly, like, Man, I'm not even mad at white people anymore. I just, I just think you're, you are evil, and you are like, it's just in you this stuff. And just like sat down, almost cold, like calmly, like it, 
not elevated, just like, I guess it's just the way it is. This is how I see you people. And then, uh, right before they break for lunch, a white girl stands up and is basically like, I, I don't even know what to say, but, and I'm totally paraphrasing it, but I'm sorry that this is your experience. Like that's, they're tied to that experience. And from this day forward, I like no, no, no more like, actually I'll pull it up. Cause that's, this is what it's worth it. <laughs> I'm sure this is why, this is why a life in Christ, um, has the ability to, to value people. Yeah. And we'll get there because that's how our book closes right. and we can close on that. Right. Let me just finish the thought. Um, and, but I'm affirming you, Jeff, you keep doing that. You just remember that. I don't want to steamroll you. Like I like to steamroll Scott. <laughs> it's okay, Jeff, you get over it. No, I mean, he can't steamroll you, Scott? me because you know, what? I'm me and he, he can steamroll you. That's why he steamrolls you. Go ahead. Is she basically saying I'm weak? Jeff? Her, it was a different posture. It goes from a posture of, it's not my fault. We've made progress, you know, case closed to the, a, a white girl or white woman, I guess they're college. So white woman saying, I, I don't know what to do. I don't, with what I've learned, I can't fix your pain. I can't take it away, but now I see it doing nothing is no longer an option for me. And man, I wish I would have brought that up. Cause I think that was a moment where those words doing nothing is no longer an option for me were, was a catalyst for Austin Channing Brown to, to, do what she's doing now. I think that was a, a beginning moment. I mean, obviously there were seeds that were planted before the white, that. The white girl on the bus said doing nothing. Doing nothing is no longer an option. And it was almost like, I don't, I don't know what to do, but I know I, I can't just like pretend it didn't exist or pretend like, yeah, that slavery is abolished. So we're fixed. And it's something clicked in her where it's, I don't know, but I'm going to learn. It's just a different, a different posture to take. I, but you were talking I, about, I, I don't, I'm, <sighs> I think we, oh man, I don't want to marginalize this, but I think we make too much of the his, history books. I realize that there's, there's, things are set the way they are in the United States because we are not a society that looks the same and talks the same and has, we're a hundred cultures within one country, more than that. But the, the point being is we're always going to have this, um, this tension it can be a healthy tension where people are like you need to recognize this it's like why do i need to recognize why can't i just recognize that um i'm a believer and i love you and i don't really care i mean if there was stuff that happened in the past that's in the past but maybe you're today, a nice white guy <laughs> great <laughs> But going back to the picking the cotton i don't think there's a problem with seeing that they were black blacks picking cotton I think the problem in in history, and obviously we're growing out of it within the country. Um, although there's a whole there's a whole slew of problems um, that are always continuous, is that those people could not go home to a place they called home where they just were free. Right, and that was that's the defining moment, not the picking the cotton. Right, and it, it was also just that. There was a little bit of a sheen put on it, like, oh, a lot of slaves were happy to go pick the cotton. See, you can go pick cotton and have 
see what it was like too. And you're not in an environment where you're locked in there. You can't, you get to get on a bus and leave. So that was kind of the critique is just the, there was a spin put on it. It's not to say they're all like that. All those things are like that, but that's what it was for her. They should have locked them up. All the kids, all the college kids, they should have locked them up and threw some food in there and uh, said, see you in the morning. Wow. No, I, and I mean all of them. Jeff and at then, Bros. Wait, wait, wait. Beer doc. I'm not sure you're digging out of this one. No, I am digging out of I'll it. I'll edit this out. No, so the, <laughs> no, so you then you then start get to you know have yeah hey, you signed up for this class this is what you get and and just kind of make them feel like nope now you get out there and keep picking. I'm feeling mean, when you read that part in the book you'd be like oh, no white uh, Zach can you go there, edit are there, that out? Is this a uh, White and black people on this trip. Yeah, they're paired up, white and black. You weren't listening, right? To that's right. No, no, no. I do, I do recall. Come on. So they're they're all out there, or is it? Or was did they set it up where the white people are standing? It's called watching a, the it's black called, people pick the. We're gonna glow. make this. We're gonna make this historical. Or was everybody, or was everybody out there? God. No, I want to know how historically. I mean, I'm not joking around. Jesus Christ, let's get awesome. to him. They'll be like, Billy, you sit it's down over here. Sankofa Here's some trip. tea. Are you guys proud of yourselves right now? Really? So I, I think <laughs> I'm not. I'm trying not yeah. to laugh. You guys keep. I, th- I would go back, around. I'd go back to to my question. What is what is the average <sighs> white person to do? I mean, who, what are we? Starts with reading books like no, no, I'm no, still what here. We, what is, what is that going to do for black like, dignity in a world made for whiteness by Austin Channing Brown? I'm not contending. Not I'm, a I'm, white man. I'm not. I'm not saying it's it's not a good book, but. Um, what you what, want actionable well, no, advice? What, no, what, no, not even what what action <laughs> what 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 action is any average person supposed to take? So there there's no there's nothing that says nothing. that all white people have some implicit bias that they're walking around with that they need to change. So I, sure, are there some? Mm, sure, but we'll uh, probably we probably do. Everybody. For me, as a white man, to go out and try and like fix some. What I see is, um, oh, you, 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 you're down and out, or you're less than. The moment I go and do that, I'm really telling them you are less than. So I do nothing except treat people like Jesus would treat them, and that's all I can do. There's no like we got to go out and pick it for this or that or yeah. I have conversations with people. That's it, and build relationships. Yeah, and yeah. that's how she closes. Um, her book kind of wraps up with it. It's like a Jesus bow, but in a really effective way. And where her her hope lies in that there's the all throughout the biblical narrative is mountains being brought low, valleys being lifted up, captives captives being freed, like justice, like pure justice and reconciliation, um, and and the hope that is in there even when it feels like hope is crumbling. That's that's a beautiful and deep thing. It is my, my face to to go back for, and for everybody to to a, to work towards right. not just the white person right. changing. You're right, Scott. Yeah, to I, go, I don't know. I, I don't want to leave this like I was being crass, but back to the you know them, um, kind of reenacting this you know picking the cotton and I I don't want it to seem that I mean. I think there is value in 
actually walking people through what actually happened. And the closer you get to reality, obviously you're not going to go there, but the closer you get to reality, the more people understand or you end up just whitewashing over, oh, yeah, they, right. pick, they pick cotton. And so I was like, oh, oh, well, that doesn't seem so bad. Right. And if that's all that's in the history books, um, then you, you, you don't, you don't get the the, the aff- horror and the de- demonic the the devilry that is afoot in in racism of any form and and obviously you know, with our country's history we have a huge form of it. Well, yeah, and mm. I and I think just like like she's saying, hey, she's you know, if you you have questions, you don't have to come to me. You can go to you know go do some research on your own. Right. I'm, not, I'm not the the uh, the the answer answer giver. Um, but I think I think that's. It's another you, kind of flipping that around. Um, you don't you don't have to go look for answers from anybody. Um, yeah, you're, you you see people as see people for who they are, um, not not judging them or being biased against them. And I think that's how most people are. So um, from Bros yeah. Bibles Beer Headquarters, um, Scott says, "Don't look for answers from people." Jeff, <laughs> I, yeah, I really hate how you how you t- give us titles and then yeah, well, and, that, and that's why yeah. It's why so that's Jeff at Bros Bibles and Beer. He's the a hole, and Scott, you that's can why, you know. yeah talk about okay, what's the what's the everyday run of the mill white person doesn't walk around or half white. Yeah, they they're they're nice people. Nice white people. They're nice white people. How do you fix that? That could be our podcast title, Nice White People. I'm not sure. Not you know, sure, the, not sure. The, more I, the more I think about what she was saying when she went to the... She didn't know the black culture. Within her book, she said there was like lots of cussing and, and behaviors that she'd never seen before. And there was you know, dancing. And she's like, I didn't know what the heck was going on. And when I think about where I work, there's a lot of that that happens that I'm like dancing and cussing yeah seriously when I we have little events at our elementary school I'm like why are these kids dancing this way if my daughter was dancing this way I would be appalled are they dirty dancing but it's the culture and so it's like do I affirm my culture and put my thumb on the kids and be like you can't do that when their parents would be like why not white guy that's might be how they respond like get your freak on get your you, eleanor this is what eleanor. we do in blanche. our culture right um you can't tell us what to come do. on jeff do the blanche when, when <laughs> it took two years it took two years for for my own kid's school to even hear about the stuff that was happening at where i worked and i'm like wow that is a huge, like that's a huge uh, void in cultures, because um, and when they get it, it's just like funny, goofy. When when the kids that I teach get it, it's like their life, like singing, dancing, cussing. Um, I mean, not that that's I'm generalizing, but it's a different environment. And so when Austin's talking about these two environments, I I'm a little. When I have parent conferences, I, I'm I'm probably a little bit like Austin was, and like okay, I, 
I want to tell them, but I don't want to offend them. So how I speak has to be tailored a little bit. So there's an understanding here. Because if I just come out and say, your kid's not doing it. They're not getting it done. They don't work hard enough. I mean, if a teacher told my kid that, I mean, obviously, I'm like, what? I oh, man, I'm failing as a parent. But if I do that with them, it's there. I might get fired just for being offensive. For telling them that their kids need to work harder and do There'd get be a, better grades, Scott. There's there are Night. there are wars going on, and you know, and right. it's and it's they a will culture war. And they, Zach's right. trying to cut it off. They but will do that the rest there are, of their life. Is the that kid, the scope of this the kid specific will be episode? In that it's a the small. Rest of their life, it's a small it's microcosm of just one little thing that has to do with Man. cultures that intersect and create conflict. I mean, Austin's is totally it's totally different, but in a very, I will say, bland way compared to what I'm talking about. But then there's, you know, 10 times that in the inner cities of um, L.A. and San Bernardino uh, and elsewhere around the country. So, I mean, we've got serious problems. Scott asked, what does a white male do? <laughs> these are, I'm, I mean, I'm not passing the buck, but these aren't our problems. And they don't have to be their problems either everybody comes to Christ. Oh, man, there's so much there. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, 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 uh, uh, it's neighborhood, it's neighborhood based. It's, it's, it's culture based. And, and yeah, if, if you're in the position, yeah. You guys, if you right. can hey, go, if hey, you can hey, go hey. and do something. Zach yet. is exhausted right. by, I need Zach's exhausted. I need to watch some Golden yeah, Girls. I'm not, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying that you, right, guys. you can't do something. I but think you guys are punching or punching above your pay grade. Austin, Channing, no, Brown. You can make any comments that you want, Zach. It's a freak. I'm still here. Black <laughs> dignity, amazing. Get it. Black dignity in a world made for whiteness. Yes. <laughs> in a world made for whiteness. A world. A That's world the name of the made for whiteness. The book. It's a book. I should have asked her about mm. that. Rose Battles Beer. I don't want to say anything about it, though, because I didn't Subscribe, rate, review. Talk iTunes. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Rose Battles Beer. And if Apple the Parker. first the first person to tweet back what is black Twitter, the answer to that, you, Zach, will give you a prize. Excellent. Yeah. I love you. Hugs and kisses, everybody. Except use it. Zach. Oh, you did. Nice. I thought you were gonna say me, but you. Could, okay, good. Okay. We're on the same. He team. said me, but you were in his. Right. But yeah, he meant. He, that's why he hesitated. It's like delete that. I'm fifty two of the gym teacher. Gym teacher. I'm a gym teacher. <coughs> I actually want to be a polygamist. I'm 52 of a gym teacher. Gym teacher. We get to spank him one time. Gym teacher. Gym teacher. I'm 52 of a gym teacher. We get to spank him one time. Gym teacher. I actually want to be a polygamist. Don't quote me, bro. Scott, seriously, shut the hell up.